In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. We pray that you would make us ready, O God, to see your salvation. Continue to refine us, to cleanse us, and let your word do its work this night. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Welcome tonight to the second Sunday of Advent at St. Bartholomew's. Last week you heard and realized in an epiphanic way perhaps that Advent isn't the season that you want. Advent is the season you need. Not just you, but us. It's the season we need because it teaches us to see through the struggling, the brokenness, the evil of life, to see through it and to hope for the sure second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it does that in a way that prepares us to celebrate the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This second Sunday in Advent now, last week we, we heard from Jesus specifically. And Jesus was, was preaching to his disciples and teaching them about the end of the age. Tonight, we catch up with John the Baptist, specifically when the word of the Lord comes to John the Baptist. And tonight, what I want you to see is that Luke's gospel positions us on December 9th, 2018, positions us firmly between two specific points. One specific point is in the past. I'm trying to think how you're seeing this. One specific point is in the past, over here, left to right. And that is when the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the other specific point is in the future. And that point is when Christ will come again. His glorious appearing. His inbreaking. When he will come to, to judge and to rule and to reign perfectly right here, right now. And remember what we talked about last week. The, some key themes of Advent are judgment and redemption. And judgment is to be taken in the context of God making all things right. That God is preparing for himself a new heavens and a new earth, St. Peter says, in which righteousness will dwell. So we're between these two points, between a fixed point where God has fulfilled his promise to Israel you heard that, that canticle, you said that canticle, number 16, did you notice that? That it was from Luke. That's the song that Zechariah sings, or says, or chants, who knows how he did it. But that's the song that Zechariah sings after he's delivered from being mute. His child is finally born, and he's had all these things to say. 
And they say, name the child John. And then he sings this song. So there's a specific point in time where God fulfills his promise to Israel. You, my child, should be called prophet of the Most High. And there's a specific time when Jesus will come again that no one knows, only the Father. And we live right here. And the question that we're confronted with in this right here, right now, is, and do we trust God? Now that sounds like a simple question, Jay. Of course I trust God. Why else would I be at church on a Sunday night when the Cowboys might or might not be winning against their uh, hated rivals? And please don't flash up number signs of the score to me during the sermon. But you can if you want. I'm just kidding. Do we trust him? And underneath that question, do we trust him, is a deeper question. Is God good? In his Christmas oratorio, for the time being, W.H. Auden writes in the section titled Advent this. Alone, alone about a dreadful wood of conscious evil runs a lost mankind. Dreading to find its father, lest it find the goodness it has dreaded is not good. Alone, alone about our dreadful wood. Dreading to find its father, lest it find the goodness. Dreading to find its father, lest it find the goodness it has dreaded is not good. See, when John calls the people of Israel out to the wilderness, out to the Jordan for baptism, Luke says it's a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John is asking them, do you believe in God? John is asking us tonight, the baptized, the self-proclaimed believers, the ones who trust God, The ones who made a conscious effort in the cold and dark to come out on December 9th. Do you trust God? Well, of course I trust God, Jay, but but underneath the surface. Do Auden's words give voice to deeper feelings that you may have, dreading to find its father, lest it find the goodness it has dreaded is not good? Alone, alone about our dreadful wood. Auden goes on to say, I'm going to skip a few stanzas. He goes on to say this. We who must die demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act? The infinite become a finite fact. Nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. Luke goes to great pains to date when John comes on the scene. Did you notice that? Did you get lost in all the names? Let's read them together, shall we? In the 15th year, it's on page four of your bulletin. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Tybee? Barry, maybe Barry was his nickname. Barry, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iteri and Trachonitis and Lysanias tetrarch of Abilene during the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. 
So Luke goes to great pains to give us a date. This is about the year 29 AD. But what else does he do? Israel has been waiting some 500 years to hear from the prophets. They had heard the words from the prophet Isaiah, Comfort, comfort ye my people, says the Lord. In the same passage which Luke quotes later. They had heard from the prophet Malachi that behold, I send my messenger before me and he will suddenly come to the temple. The temple at that point was not marked by the manifest presence of God. There was not holy worship of God in the time of Malachi. So for God to show up at the temple, it's kind of like saying, hey, God showed up at the worship service, which, you know, we can assume that he's here because we believe in him and where two or three are gathered, he is in their midst. But it's like something actually happened. He actually encountered us as we sang to him, as we heard the word of the Lord read. As we worshiped earlier, I I was reminded of a line from that hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Our hearts unfold like flowers before thee. And I was reminded of my oftentimes um, kind of huddled up, fetal position, inner disposition before God dreading to find its father, lest it find the goodness it has dreaded is not good. Often I live in a state like this instead of in a state like this. And the people of Israel, we can only imagine as we've sung that they've dwelt in lonely exile, waiting for God to break in. And now, In the year of Tiberius Caesar, in the 15th year of his reign, when Pontius Pilate was governor, when all the tetrarchs were reigning and Annas and Caiaphas were the high priest, then the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. It had been some 500 years since the Lord spoke. We can only imagine that the people of Israel perhaps had felt that they were living in a delusion. If we read ancient writings of different cultures, we know that the assumption and the reality was that some times are good, most times are bad, and it just winds in an ever, never-ending cycle. Good, bad. It's hard for us in a relatively comfortable life to imagine what the people of Israel were going through. But if we remember that we're between this fixed point when God fulfilled his word to his people, and we're we're between this fixed point, we realize that we may be a little more like Auden's poem, alone, alone, about a dreadful wood of conscious evil. We look around us, shootings at a synagogue, mass shootings at schools, Storms killing people, all sorts of division and evil. And we see signs of the times, meaning signs of evil, signs of conscious evil. And we can be so easily present to that evil, to that unrighteousness, to that unjustness, that we forget that God is good. 
And so when Luke says, and that year the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist, he's not just giving us a date. He's also saying, hey, everyone, there was this unjust ruler, Caesar. There was that unjust ruler. All of these guys would have a hand, Annas, Caiaphas, all the Tetrarchs. These were Herod's kids. They divided up the, the Herod's power. All these guys would have one hand or another in the crucifixion of Jesus. And despite the unjust, unrighteous rulers, what happened? God fulfilled his word. God made a promise to Israel. You, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. But we can go back further than that. Who does Zechariah refer to? To Abraham. Remember Abraham? I know you know the song. But God made a promise to Abraham. Abraham said, God, I don't even have kids. I ain't got no kids. How am I going to, how is all my family going to bless all the world? Bless all families of the earth. And Genesis 15 says a dreadful darkness came over Abraham. There's that word again, dreadful. And God said, you are going to have offspring that outnumber the stars in the sky. Look, Abraham, at the stars in the sky. And God makes a covenant at that moment. And God makes this promise to Abraham. And many, many years later, he fulfills it as the word of the Lord comes to John the Baptist. And he is fulfilling it and will fulfill it completely when he comes again. It's easy to think that we live in a delusion. It's easy to think, is this just something that we're all making up together? Fleming Rutledge, who I mentioned, some of you already went and bought the book. Good job. She says this about the potential of living in that delusion. She says, is faith ultimately nothing more than a human strategy for coming to terms with the meaninglessness of existence? Christian faith says something very opposite. But are we just deluded? Are we just willing victims of an illusion, perpetrators of the most imaginative piece of wish fulfillment that the world has ever seen? Hmm. Dreading to find its father, lest it find the goodness it has dreaded is not good. Hmm. So John comes and he invites them into repentance, those people of Israel. And he invites us into repentance. We have to remind ourselves that being baptized doesn't mean that we're now never going to sin again. Having faith in Christ doesn't mean that we're now we're never going to do anything wrong we live in a rhythm of putting off and putting on, of turning away from and turning towards, of putting off sin, of changing our mind, of putting off the patterns of people around us even, of changing our mind to what the Lord's mind is, to what the Lord's word is. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my word will never pass away. 
And in this Advent season, and in this state of life between fulfilled and fulfilling, we live in this already but not yet state. We are, we are already seated in the heavenly places, St. Paul says. We've already received the Holy Spirit. We've already tasted of heaven, but not completely, not yet. And so we see and we hear and we feel glimpses of, of heaven, and when I say heaven, I'm not talking about the, the, the cherubs strumming the harps on the clouds. And man, why can't they find more clothes for those chubby little babies strumming the harps on the clouds? I'm talking about the new heavens and the new earth, the coming kingdom, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And we see and we feel and we hear echoes of that coming. When we celebrate Holy Communion, we participate in that feast proleptically. So we remember backwards, Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we look forward to his coming again. We're caught in between in this already, not yet. And what are we conscious to in this already, not yet? So often the evil that is all around us. We're so often conscious to that evil, and we're less conscious to the rule and reign of God and his kingdom in our midst. It doesn't feel like God is ruling and reigning, Jay. I know. That's why we need Advent. That's why we need this time. Not just a cute little card that somebody sends us, don't worry, it's all going to get better. But we need to remember that things are going to get awful in our lives. And if they haven't, I'm not trying to be Mr. Bad Pants up here, but they're going to get bad. The Lord will allow us to go through awful things, trauma. When I think about this question, Mr. Bad Pants, that is funny, isn't it? I'm going to keep that. Hashtag it. As I ask myself this question, is God good? I think about the trauma that I've been through. And it's not awful, but it was bad enough to caused some serious damage in me. And at the very depth of my being, for months I'd realized I had kind of believed a lie. I'd been more present to the, to the conscious evil of that dreaded wood of mankind than I had to the reality, the conscious reality of the kingdom of God, that yeah, God is trustworthy, that no, he doesn't ever leave us or forsake us no matter what we've been through, that he is with us and that he is good and that he is trustworthy, no matter what. Hmm. That we won't be swindled at the end of the day. Do you ever find yourself like that with God? That you're like, you know, I just don't want to get double-crossed at the end of the day. Hmm. There's a self-preservation there. But there is a word from our Lord Jesus that says, unless you receive the kingdom as a child, you cannot enter it. I was reading this week and talking with a friend of mine this week that the thing that's unique about children is that they know that they can't do anything for themselves. They have to receive. So part of our repentance, part of our putting off and our putting on, part of our turning from and turning to, part of our believing in living in this already not yet time 
is knowing that we can do nothing for ourselves. Is realizing that we who must die, as Auden says, demand a miracle. How could the eternal do a temporal act? The infinite become a finite fact. Realizing that nothing can save us that is possible. We who must die demand a miracle. So God has fulfilled his promise to Israel. As they languished, he came to them in John the Baptist, this prophet wearing funny clothes, eating funny food on the edge of society. And John invited them into a fundamental belief in God and posed to them a fundamental question in telling them to repent. Is God good? And we look as people of hope in Advent. We watch and we wait. We're encouraged that, hey, second candle, more light. But we look out all around us and what? Conscious evil. I mean, just. And we ask ourselves a question. Is, is God really good? Is he coming again? Will he make all things right? Will he really vindicate this event and that event? And more personally, will, does God really know me? Maybe he'll make this right in a, in a global, cosmic way, but does he really understand me? Does he really love me? God has fulfilled his promises to Israel. He will fulfill his promises to us. Do we trust him? Let us pray. We thank you, God, for loving us. And that nothing can separate us from the love of that is of you, our Father, in Christ Jesus. And we rest in that, this Advent season. In the midst of trial and trauma, in the midst of things that we cannot explain. We put our hope and our trust in you. We remember that unrighteous rulers and unjust situations in Palestine in 29 AD could not inhibit your word coming to John. It could not prevent your son from his ministry and announcing the kingdom and calling people to repentance. And even now, it will not prevent us from being led from darkness into light. So we beg of you, Lord, shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death. Lord, we who have already received and known the gospel, Shine on us. Hmm. And guide our feet into the way of peace. That we may share that peace. That we may share that light. That we may offer that hope. That while the, the world around us gets lost 
in whatever it's doing, we can rest. That we're not left to extreme measures. But we're left to trust in you and in your goodness. And we do that. And we say we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.